From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to The Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for April 23rd, 2009. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined this week by my good friends, Walter Eccles, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi in the Peanut Gallery this week, Teresa Eccles and Kathy Whirling. In this week's show, our Disneyland correspondent Nancy Johnson talks with Jim Ames, the producer of this year's California Food and Wine Festival. Kevin Close has his review of Raglan Road at Pleasure Island. And Kathy Whirling will tell us about the new Picnic in the Park at Animal Kingdom. All that plus Roundtable Rapid Fire and this week's news on this edition of The Diz Unplugged. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, first one, we'll apologize for not having a show last week, but Walter and I were both sick and uh, did not want to get the rest of the team sick with our Thank you. germs. <laughs> because I yell at them when they do that to me. <laughs> so, also, a lot of Orlando was under a tornado warning last week when we were going to record. Yeah, that's right. The weather oh, yeah, was pretty bad. That was last week. Oh, I got, I got some agita. Was it the tornado? Must be. I'm verklempt. Um, so we're uh, we're glad to be back. So, um, all right, a couple things we have in housekeeping. Um, first, I just want to ask everybody, if you're so inclined, to head on out to iTunes and give a review for the show. Only if you like it. If you like it. If you don't. <laughs> yeah, if you like the show, it's the Diz Unplugged. If you don't like it, Keep it's Keep your not. opinions to yourself. <laughs> if you don't like it, why are you listening? Yeah, really. <laughs> Um, and also, just to remind I'll tell you, after I mentioned uh, the last show we did, I talked about Diz Radio. You cannot believe the spike in listenership to Diz Radio after I talked about it on the show. Um, really unbelievable. So, for those who are not familiar with Diz Radio, that's uh, the uh, radio s- uh, station on Live 365 that we run. It's uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week of Disney music. Uh, just change the playlist. I don't change the playlist too often. This playlist seems to be really popular. We're going to keep it keep it for a while. But uh, you have uh, links to that all over the site. We'll have links to that on the show notes, notes page and also our blog, uh, disunplugged.com. Uh, Kathy's been busy updating the blog along with the, our Disneyland correspondents have been posting all sorts of neat stuff. Thank God for Kathy. <laughs> that blog would be empty. It would. <laughs> and David Parfit also. And Dave Parfit. And uh, Dave Parfit's, Parfit's very excited. I, I had no idea what a big geek David Parfit was. He's so excited about Star Wars Weekends. He's covering Star Wars Weekends for us this year. And he's just so excited about it. <laughs> I mean, look, not for nothing, I'm a little bit of a sci-fi geek myself. So, But uh, not so much Star Wars. I was never really big. Star Wars fan. Aren't you? Didn't you like Star Trek? Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was a, I think a that's costume, a little weirder. That's I used to when I was <laughs> when I was when I was a kid. Yeah, I had I had con, the costumes and went to the conventions. Yeah, I was one of them. Oh, oh my! <laughs> and I've never seen the movie. Are you Are looking you forward serious? to the new movie? Yeah. Oh, seen. I can't wait. The new movie looks fantastic. The new movie looks so good. I can't. Were wait. there a pubescent? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had enough of a taste when we were in Vegas. Remember the convention yeah. was going oh, on? Yeah. That, that was Hilton. enough for me. Yeah, yeah, that was. It was scary. Yeah, I was fifteen, <laughs> so I, you know, it was 
It's different when you're a. It's 40, not like it was last week. It's different when you're a forty year old virgin living in your mother's basement, <laughs> yeah, right? Basically, <laughs> and you've got your Captain Kirk outfit on <laughs> <laughs> to go to the grocery store. Really? <laughs> Sorry. So who else can we offend? They're going to write. <laughs> yeah, really. They're going to write to me. As opposed to as opposed to Disney fans, you know, we're. I don't dress up. <laughs> There's yet. There's a hierarchy in Geekdom of Joy. <laughs> My Cruella outfit's home. Um, and also just want to remind everybody, we have links in the show notes page to our Facebook page. You should absolutely check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I think the only... Well, Teresa has a Facebook page, Corey has a Facebook page, and I have a Facebook page. I'm anti-Facebook. Oh, and Kathy Whirling has yeah. one. I had a Twitter account for 11 minutes this week. <laughs> well, Julie, my Facebook page is kind of like ours. Yeah, but I never go on it. There are more photos of you on there than... <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I don't think to, it's Julie's. <laughs> I, I completely forgot to mention when introducing everyone, Ferris is also here. Yes. He's sitting on my lap playing with rings. My favorite Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, also, I, we do have a correction um, that we probably should have done last week if we'd done a show. Uh, when we talked about uh, ride photos being available on PhotoPass, that information was incorrect. Only Test Track uh, currently offers that service where you could put your ride photo onto your PhotoPass. Um, we had gotten some erroneous information uh, about that, so I just wanted to make sure we corrected uh, corrected that. And uh, next week, just to remind everybody, next uh, the 28th, actually, is the uh, one-year anniversary of Bob's death. So next week's show is going to be all about Bob. We're going to do some, you know, replay some of Bob's segments. I mean, we're, we're going to be doing the show, but uh, we'll be doing some, uh, some Bob segments, like a Bob rapid fire and maybe a Bob <laughs> news story and maybe a couple uh, of Bob segments. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So, and uh, when Bob was alive, he thought every show was all about Bob Joe. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. And uh, also, we just let everybody know that we will be announcing the date for our next podcast cruise on May 6th. That's our May 6th show, which is the one right before uh, we go on the actual podcast. Right first podcast all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Before the maiden voyage. <laughs> I hate when things Blake Roos. Um, so, yeah, we will be announcing the dates. I loved her. She started with Laura Keats. <laughs> Blake Roos and Laura Keats. Blake Roos and Laura Keats. So May 6th, our May 6th show, if you're interested in joining us on the next podcast cruise, those who couldn't make this one. So I know just mentioning the next podcast cruise at this point, we're all just kind of shivering. Shiver went Can we get through the first one? <laughs> Although I'll tell you, this, the next one will go a lot smoother for us because we have the experience of of having done this. So. The next one, I'm buying our own boat. Who's going to follow behind? It'll be cheaper and easier. Look, I just have to say, though, I have to say that um, it got a little hairy there with the whole Palo brunch, but I have to be honest, my faith in Disney magic is restored. Uh, they really are going above and beyond for us here uh, with this Palo Brunch. They, ha- they are moving mountains to make this happen. I had no idea how limited a Palo Brunch really is. Um, and they never do it for this many people. It's never been offered to a group before. 
uh, this is being done special for us. The custodians will be serving food, but... Ship's <laughs> <laughs> captain. Shouldn't you be driving a boat? <laughs> so they really... Uh, I, I have to say that, you know, it got a little hairy there, but... Um, I think what happened was I, I think they didn't believe us when we first approached them and told them how many people we were going to have. Yeah. I think they said, oh, yeah, sure. You know, you'll have 20, 30 people on this cruise. I think they underestimated us is what Severely. happened. Uh, but I, I, I'll say that you know, there, you know, everything everything has worked out. Um, I think we're all, for as much work as been put into this, we're all very excited uh, for the lineup on this on this cruise, and uh, it's going to be a great time. I will let everybody know that the next podcast cruise there will not be a Palo brunch. They will not do this for us again. <laughs> um, so I just want to manage everybody's expectations right now. Uh, this was more about shut up. <laughs> yeah, this was basically them trying to shut me up. Just like, okay, okay, fine. Here, we'll give you a Palo brunch. Um, but no, they really uh, groups department uh, really pulled it together. Uh, some of our friends uh, over at Disney Cruise Line and Walt Disney Travel really helped us out and made this happen. And uh, so we we are very appreciative and very excited. And can't wait for everybody to experience the wonder that is the Palo Brunch. So, any other housekeeping from anybody? I have tons of housekeeping, so I'm going to go first. One. Okay, you go first. And we have housekeeping. Uh, mine is actually just a little story. I have to tell you, I got a private message from one of our listeners who wanted to know if I knew of a appropriate autobiography or a pope excuse me an appropriate biography of walt disney for a tween she wanted to, she was um she had to do a book report on a on a biography i was gonna say the neil gabler book but no that's not a that's it's not 900 a pages yeah. and i found it dry as toast but um, very very thorough it was it was very thorough but it was a little dry in part so i can't imagine a 13 year old girl no well i wrote back to um actually i got an, a private message from stitch lover whose name is Suzette. And Suzette asked me about her daughter, and I private messaged her back, and they just happened to be out at lunch. And she picked up her phone and said, oh, I got a message from Kevin from the podcast. He said he really can't think of an appropriate biography. And apparently this rendered her daughter Miranda speechless. Mom, he's famous. (laughs) And he wrote to you. I just had to tell you that. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> so I wanted to say hello to Suzette and Miranda, because Miranda thinks we're all famous. Only in our own heads. Yeah, really. <laughs> we're legends in our own mind. That's so, it. My, uh, that was my whole thing. Oh, okay. Cool. We received a whole bunch of stuff in the uh, Diz Unplugged uh, post office box, and I wanted to share this, what we received from the with the team from different people. First one Is, is there from, candy in there? It might be. Better. The first one is from Alan Better than candy. and Ann Nelson. Dear podcast team, in anticipation of the upcoming cruise, we had something made to put in the fish extenders. And I don't want to tell the people what it is because I don't know if they want to make this a surprise or not. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to read what they said. But it was very nice of them. Uh, we love your podcast and feel like you're all friends already. We're looking forward to meeting all of you and can't thank you enough for putting this together. So I wanted to share what... They're gonna. I think we should tell people what a fish extender is. My dad sent me a text message the other day. He's like, well, "What's a fish extender?" So right. I had to well, send him a outside, photo. Outside everyone's stateroom, there's a fish where they usually put like if they have a, a letter for you or something or something like a note, a note or something. They just kind of stick it on top of this out? fish, yes. 
And what people do is they uh, uh, they make these extenders. They're like uh, they hang over this fish and hang down and have pockets in them. And people put all sorts of stuff in there. And and what you do is you sign up to be part of the exchange. And people will have something made or they'll put something in your fish extender. And it's nice to have a little surprise every day um, waiting outside your stateroom. And I didn't—I just didn't want to say what it was, but I want to say thank you to Alan and Ann Nelson for sending us these. Thank you. really cool. <laughs> They're very, very cool. Okay, so my second housekeeping. In my fish extenders, I'm accepting checks. <laughs> um. Second piece of housekeeping, something else came into our Dis Unplugged This is cool. Mailbox. Yeah, it is. It's funny. Hello, Pete, and the rest of the podcast crew. Congratulations on it reaching ex- and exceeding your fundraising goal for Give Kids the World. In a world where the major media outlets always seem to focus on the bad news and what's wrong with the world, it's refreshing to see that, they are, that there truly are a lot of amazing and generous people out there. Amen. Even in a tough economy. The way the Dis Unplugged listeners pull together to help give kids the world is something to behold. I've said it before, but it bears repeating. The work they do there is above and beyond what most people can imagine. It's hard to put a price tag on a child's smile when they're eating ice cream for breakfast and being allowed to be a kid, not a patient. The memories that families take with them from Give Kids the World are priceless and will last forever. Not a day goes by that I don't think of John Eric and the incredible time that we had during our wish trip. The money you have helped raise will continue to allow other families to experience what mine has. You've done so much for Give Kids the World, and to show our appreciation for your efforts, we've enclosed some Jeb Foundation t-shirts, and this is for John Eric. Uh, The color gold represents childhood cancer, and the purple represents neuroblastoma, which is a type of cancer that John Eric had. And this is from Jay and Alicia Bartles. And they sent us a whole bunch of shirts. Oh, wow. Let's hand those out. This, huh. is their, this was their son? Or is their son? It's their son, who I believe was three. Oh, what a great shirt. I thought this was really sweet. This the colors are very cool. Very cool. Wow, this is really <laughs> nicely <laughs> done. Really nicely done. Gold. Thank you. Lilo and Stitch will be actual size when I wear it. <laughs> this is very nice. Yeah, it's very this nice. This is really nice. Thank you. This Thank you. Very nice. Thank you. Very nice. Very. His cr- picture is on there. You'll notice that. And we have a um, we have a link on the uh, show notes page to the uh, JEB Foundation uh, for anybody who wants to go check it out. Sorry, I got a little overzealous with my t-shirt. <laughs> and we have one more that we received. Hang on one second. Oh, oh, bless you, Ferris. <laughs> Ferris, Ferris have a little sneezing fit. <laughs> and this is from Stacy. Stacy's Disney Bride 2K, three on the boards. Mm-hmm. And she writes, to the Diz, sending a little bit of Ocean City, Maryland your way to say thank you for Taffy? so much <laughs> better for all you do. At least Ocean I think City, it's better. Maryland. You sit still. <laughs> These are it giant is Fisher's buckets. caramel corn. Oh, oh, wow. oh my god! Oh, give to me. Thank you. Oh, there wow. is plain and peanut, and there were four. <laughs> <laughs> now there's two. No, now there's three. <laughs> However, these were came to our house first. <laughs> 
Really, if you want first crack at the candy, Teresa, you have children you have at home. Take one. <laughs> is there that is the pre- prerequisite? I have children at home. <laughs> and let Kathy take one too. They're very hard to open. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> yes, Julie distributes our gifts. Well, thank you. I know Corey's trying to stay away from sweets. Make it open. That's not as easy as it sounds. Even after you peel the hermetically sealing tape off. <laughs> yeah, it really does not want to open. Let me try. Eat a knife. Uh, it's childproof. Oh. Let Ferris oh. do it. Uh. <laughs> Crap, they all like it. <laughs> <laughs> he says, do we really have to bring it to the podcast? They won't uh. know that there were four. <laughs> oh, this is good. I'm going to be grazing through the podcast. Stacy, thank you very much. Yeah, Stacey, thank that, you so much, Stacy. Everyone who sent us something, we appreciate it. Send more popcorn. It's always very nice. More caramel corn and taffy, please. <laughs> You're too funny. <laughs> uh, I prefer chocolate and cheese, not together. These are really, really good. <laughs> I'm full, uh, no, he's wanting. Oh, shut up. He had a banana. <laughs> did you say I'm full? You no. Did. He just. I don't want to have to come across no, the table. these sweets. I got a carrot. <laughs> oh, so Corey and Walter on the same could, program apparently. Could, could two people be more opposite than him and I? <laughs> I had a carrot. I'm full. <laughs> well, thanks to everybody for those uh, for those lovely gifts. And I know uh, Julie, you have a yes, uh, Corey, Corey and I. Well, I guess the three of us have an <coughs> announcement. Um, we wanted everyone to know before the cruise. And the day after Ferris was born, he was diagnosed with Down syndrome. And last week we met with his geneticist, and we actually got to see his chromosome workup. They call it a karyotype, and we saw all three of his twenty-first chromosomes. Okay, <laughs> they look like worms. For those of you who have never seen <laughs> I've them before, seen chromosomes. Yeah, um, I do want to say we're not down about anything. We're not sad. We're not upset. We actually wanted to wait to tell people uh, until after we met the with geneticist. Dr. Pollock, yeah. I keep saying genealogist. I keep wanting to say genealogist. <laughs> geneticist. Lord, those people do family trees. <laughs> they live in bottles. They're different. <laughs> so um, it is trisomy 21, which is what most children have. There are two other types, but he does have trisomy 21. And um, he's doing great. Um, he we is go, healthy. Yes, he's very healthy. We had no heart problems. Thank 40% goodness. of these children awesome. do have heart problems and have heart surgery by the time they're six months old mm. and even a year old. Um and he's just a little bundle of joy right here. Really? Oh, he is. Oh, he's a happy baby. He's eating his rings. Yes. You know, um, he's been in therapy since he was four weeks old, uh, oral motor and gross motor skills, so he's doing excellent. Um, we work with him at home to make sure that he's doing everything that he wants to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and We're really lucky that we do. can work from home. Just yeah. going to say, you guys have a nice situation that you can spend the extra time and the extra hours. And- yeah. Really give him the attention he needs, but seems it was definitely right. a shock at first because we had no idea before he was born. I mean, obviously you're not prepared. I kind of had a feeling, one of those, one of those uh, weird feelings, like in yeah, September. Well, you were, yeah, you he were has nervous. Dreams that come true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not kidding. It's weird. You were nervous. You know, it's all you kept talking about. I just, want, I'm just, you know, all I care about is that the baby's healthy. I just care about the baby, and he is. He is. Thank <laughs> goodness. Thank yeah. goodness. But I kind of knew. I, I before they told us, I. I had a feeling. I looked at Julie. I was like, do you think he has Down syndrome? And, and I was she, holding him. And I said, he doesn't look like it. Well, little did I know, you don't have to look like it. Right, you know? exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, But I got to say, you guys you guys didn't miss a beat. You guys did not miss a beat with it. I think it. it took us 24 hours for it to fully sink in and just, you know, 
get over it. Not get over it, but accept it. Right. I was just going to say. Yeah. It's just one yeah, other part of just, life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I know that you both have been extremely active in uh, a whole variety. I mean, not just with yeah, your doctors, but involved with, the community with, here other, with other parents. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And stuff. I mean, you're just like... We knew the there. first thing we had to do was educate ourselves on it and, and what, kind of what to expect. And Julie's already meeting with, you know, other parents in the Central Florida area. She, you know, we she's have, very we active. We have two play groups this week. One is with the association and one is through another mom. <laughs> so he's a busy little guy. Even though he can't really play with other kids yet, I just want him to be able to observe other children and well, learn he's a, from yeah, them. He's, he's, you could just tell he's like taking everything in when, when he's sitting here with us. Oh, yeah. He's trying to get yeah. every one of these little play rings in his mouth at the same time. <laughs> well, normally it's his whole hand, and I've been trying to teach him that we use one finger at a time if we want to ha- if we want to suck on a finger. <laughs> but, no, he's doing great. You know, we absolutely love him. Everyone's in love with him. Oh, how could you He's not? You're exa- oh, he is. We just felt like we had to tell our listeners because we see a lot of our true listeners as friends, and you know we let our friends know. So we didn't. Hello. Oh, yes, we are talking about Stop you. Stop talking about me. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> and I didn't want anyone to feel uncomfortable, especially on the ship, if they saw him and thought, you know, if we had not made this announcement and they're thinking to themselves, I wonder if he has Down syndrome. The other thing too I, don't, is, I don't want people to feel uncomfortable about talking to us yeah. about it. The other thing, too, is when some people know and some people don't, there's always a thing in the back of my head that says, you know, don't, like, spell the beans. Don't yeah. spell the beans. <laughs> like the time I told but, your parents that you smoked. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Oh, gosh. Aren't you glad Corey gave up smoking and his mother went, he smoked? Like, oh shoot! <laughs> oh gosh! I meant Maury. That was a fun day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, we're just enjoying every moment for sure. And like you said, you know, thank God he's healthy. Yep. And that's really all that counts. Yep. Is that he's good and healthy. And well, I also kind of felt that maybe there are some of our listeners out there who know a child with Down syndrome, have a child with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, we have even more in common. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So if you do, feel free to get in touch with us, private messages. <laughs> Tell us about your experience because, you know, I like to hear about other people's challenges you or, um, you know, adventures. Adventures. Oh. Knowledge is power. <laughs> He's unhappy about something, Corey. Yeah, what are you yeah, doing to him? Happy. Are you pinching him under the table? I think he wants to eat again. He's probably getting tired. Probably so. <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's going to lay down for a nap. Kevin's getting cranky. Kevin woke up cranky. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, uh, Corey and Julie, for sharing that with everybody. I know our listeners appreciate it. Um, anything else for housekeeping? How can you follow us? Yeah, really. All right, then we're going to go ahead and get started with the news. Our first news story this week, Southwest Airlines, one of the few airlines to consistently be profitable in recent years, has posted a net loss for the first quarter of 2009 of $91 million. Uh, the airline has already initiated a hiring freeze and has frozen the salaries of all its executives as a cost-cutting measure it is also offering uh, their employees an early out uh, package uh, to help boost its bottom line. Uh, the airline cites a $71 million charge to its fuel hedge portfolio, along with uh, decreased demand for services due to the economy. 
and Southwest Airlines is the busiest carrier at Orlando International, which I didn't realize. I didn't realize they were the busiest, the biggest of the airlines going into Orlando International. And you know that the economy's in bad shape if Southwest is yeah. having problems because that's the what's one airline you could always count on to uh, uh, to to be profitable. They're always always turning a profit, and it's just such a great airline. So I hope. And their rates are always their excellent. rates are great. The rates are great. I'm looking at uh, heading out to California in June, and uh, it was the, the, it was like. $200 round trip, nonstop. I feel like Corey's dad keeps him in business because he flies a lot for his job to and from Houston and here. <laughs> and he gets lots of free flights, so I know he's flying a lot on Southwest. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the things that's hurt the uh, air, air industry. One of the the biggest factors has been the reduction in business travel. Companies have just cut so back so yeah. far on business travel that exactly they're not just seeing the numbers anymore. So... All right, our second news story this week, uh, we were talking about Star Wars Weekends. The lineup has been announced for this year's Star Wars Weekends at Hollywood Studios. This is going to be running on the weekends from uh, May 22nd through June 14th. Uh, May 22nd will be Ray Park, who played Darth Maul in Episode 1. Yawn. Uh, War- Warwick Davis, who played Wicked the Ewok in Episode 6. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny. It's all the people who are in costume or makeup. They could like, take me out there. <laughs> yeah, really. Me, Darth Maul. me Chewbacca. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Clone Wars, will appear at Behind the Force. Okay, just color me under underwhelmed with that lineup. These are like those gardeners. This is the second <laughs> string. <laughs> um, May 29th to the 31st gets much better. Peter Mayhew. Who played uh, uh, Chewbacca? Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I'm okay. still underwhelmed. We love Peter Mayhew. Um, Gary Fisher coming. Yeah, that see that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Gary Fisher or Mark Hamill, but no. Gary Fisher um, excerpts from her new book. <laughs> uh, Matthew Wood was the sound editor for episodes one through three. And the Clone Wars, and it was also the voice of General Grievous in episode two. It's May 29th through the 31st, June 5th through the 7th. Natalie Portman? No. <sighs> Jeremy Bullock, who played Boba Fett in episodes 5 and 6. Didn't he wear a white plastic helmet? You saw his face in some of them. Oh, okay. Uh, David Prowse, who played Darth Vader in episodes 4 through 6. And Matt Lanter, voice of Anakin Skywalker in The Clone Wars. The Clone Wars was, the, I guess, the, the um, animated one they did that everybody hated. I actually like that one. <laughs> Did you, you went and saw it? No, it was we it was on TV. I think for free, but we video. We but we rented the yeah, video. Rented the video. Really? It was actually, okay. Yeah. Was it? Because it got awful, awful reviews. Um, uh, June twelfth to the fourteenth, David Filoni, the guy who carried the script, <laughs> <laughs> creative creative force and supervising director of the Clone Wars. He drove the Roach Coach. <laughs> and Tamura Morrison, Django Fett in episodes two and three. I have no idea who any of these people are. It is. It's. I mean, with the exception of like David Prowse, David uh, David Prowse, and Peter Mayhew. I think it's all. You know, they there were are actually people out there who are foaming at the mouth to really? meet these people. So 
really. Well, Who knows? I can I can understand Chewbacca and Darth Vader, but the rest of them, you know, I, I'm the script supervisor from the animated one that nobody liked. Oh, can I have your autograph? I mean. Oh, but you know there'll be crowds at every Oh, there's going to be huge crowds. Forget it. I, I mean, I'll tell you right now, if you're not a Star Wars fan, if you're not going specifically for Star Wars weekends um, in May and June, don't go near the studios on the weekends. Okay. Just don't. I'm not a Star Wars fan, but I, I find the parade pretty cool. Something about when all those uh, characters come down the street. The guys dressed in white? Yeah. Stormtroopers. Stormtroopers. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> the guys in the white plastic costumes. <laughs> uh, so Star Wars weekends coming up again, starting on May twenty second, running through June fourteenth. So now, on a much more serious and sad note, uh, according to a report in the Orlando Sentinel, two people died on Epcot Center Drive early Monday morning when two cars were involved in a head-on collision. A 50-year-old Orlando man was traveling north on Epcot Center Drive in the wrong direction at about 2 a.m. when he collided with a Honda Civic being driven by 19-year-old Aaron Pitchoff of Winter Garden. Both cars caught fire and both drivers died at the scene. The accident is being investigated and it is not yet known if alcohol was involved in the crash. So our thoughts and prayers go out to the families of both men. That's uh, the second tragic accident in like a month. Yeah, it's very... Uh, very weird. People assume that when they're at Disney, nothing bad could happen to them. It's one of those things where you have to say to yourself, I still have to drive defensively. I still have to, you know, this is life. I still have to be careful. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll find out more in the coming weeks as the investigation goes on about what happened. But uh, just really tragic. So, um, all right. That is going to do it for the news this week. We're going to move on to the weather, which I've been forgetting to do for the last few weeks. But uh, weather's real easy right now. Uh, For this week in Orlando, it's going to be sunny and warm. Uh, Expect the highs to be in the mid to upper 80s and the lows down in the mid 60s. So we're creeping up. It's getting to the, and the humidity's starting to slowly come into the picture. It's going to start, you know, we're coming into our summer. It was nice on Saturday, though. Oh, it was gorgeous. We went out to Lake Eola and strolled him around the lake. It was so nice. It was beautiful last Saturday. We had a couple days last week where it was actually chilly. We really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I'm holding on to those days with both hands right now because pretty soon it's going to be like living on the sun. It's going to be evil. Equator hot. What did you say? It's going to be equator hot. Equator. Oh. Yeah. I, <laughs> I had wasn't to think sure. About what, it for a yeah, I was like, what did he say? Do I have to edit that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to rapid fire, and who would like to go first? I will. Mine are kind of time sensitive. Okay. Not that that really matters. <laughs> <laughs> like they have to be done by two o'clock. <laughs> no, there are going to be some trunk shows coming up this week at Disney Vault Twenty Eight at Downtown Disney and Disneyland on the twenty fourth from two to five p.m. There are going to be uh, Spring Street sales representatives from the rest- Western Region. Becky Daly is going to be there, and she's going to be showcasing some of the latest Spring Street releases, including jewel-inspired compacts, purse hangers, accessories, and more. And then on the 25th, there's going to be a trunk show featuring Gorin, and these are hats. Corey actually is a big fan of Gorin hats, yeah. and this is going to be on the 25th from 2 to 5. I'm wearing one I was right going to ask And um, if you want more information, call 714-300-7004. 
What's a purse hanger? Zero zero two four seven seven four zero zero. It's like something that you put on your wall and you hang your purse on. Really? Yeah. Oh. Like a coat okay. hanger. Kevin has to get one like now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need one for your bag? No, I just throw mine on the floor. <laughs> so I thought those sounded like fun. I need a purse. I don't know how you live without one. I know. I don't know how I do either. I change my purse very often. I need so I need several purses. I want a gray one right now. Oh, you're in a gray. You're your gray face. I want a gray purse. Okay. <laughs> noted. Noted. Yeah. So. All right. My noted list is getting long. Yeah. No, I'm more excited about the Goran hats. Really, I think people should go out and see these. They're. We see guys on TMZ wearing them. The the field reporters, you know. And Corey has them. Because everyone wants to be like the paparazzi. <laughs> well, no, not the guys who film. The guys who are in the office, oh, you know, oh, who dig oh. up the stories or whatever. They, they sell them at uh, Vault 28. That's what I was just talking That's about. That's what her rapid fire was about. Hmm. Not paying attention, are you? <laughs> wow. I'm trying to keep him from crying, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> You're right on top of stuff. <laughs> I'm too busy noting things. Oh, that was funny. That was really good, babe. But anyway. All right. Thank you very much, Julie. Corey, what do you have? Um, there's a trunk show at Disney's Vault 28. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody's cool hat? Um, I had the lineup for Sounds Like Summer Concert Series. Basically the same lineup they do every year. Um, this takes place June 15th through August 9th at the Epcot World Showcase, the America Gardens Theater. Uh, they're staying alive. A tribute to the Bee Gees, Hotel California, a salute to the Eagles. Slippery When Wet, a tribute to Bon Jovi, and that guy that wears those pants that are just way too tight. And the guy with the fake tattoo shirt. Oh, yeah. Remember? <laughs> There's uh, Bjorn Again, a tribute to ABBA. Sounds of the Supremes, a tribute to the Supremes. To You, the, wor- <laughs> oh, the world's no. second best U2 show. Uh, oh, to You. And uh, <laughs> a Petty Theft, a tribute to Tom Petty. Now, and that's, a, that's a clever name. Now, these... Uh, to You. <laughs> petty Theft. These take place uh, three times a day, 5.45, 7 o'clock, and 8 p.m. We have the dates for each one of these I listed um, in the show notes. So. I think for the podcast crews, we should get a group together to do this. Sounds like the podcast. <laughs> it's not really us, but it's people being us. How about sounds and looks? They need to be lookalikes and sound like us. As long as I can stay that could in my be one of our things on the cruise. We could have a podcast lookalike oh, contest. Oh, that's scary. Oh yeah! <laughs> Start eating now. <laughs> I'm not feeling well. <laughs> Send in my stunt double. <laughs> really, call Zac Efron. They have Jabba the Hutt from the Star Wars weekend for me. <laughs> He's free apparently. Because <laughs> he ain't coming. Oh, all right. Well, thank you, thank you for that, Corey. <laughs> Kevin. Um, mine. Rapid Fire actually goes back to Walter's I can stick my iPhone to the window gizmo thing. <laughs> I was in the premium outlets at um, in Orlando, and I found a Gizmobies, the iPhone skins that you can buy, and I bought a couple of them. I put one on my iPhone, and I actually found out that these did not work for me. If you have the film on the front of your camera or the front of your iPhone so that you don't make fingerprints on it, the front piece doesn't really stick to your iPhone. It sticks to that film and lifts up just a little too easily. But they are available. They're uh, $20 a piece or two for 30 and they're at a cart in the premium outlets. Yep. So... 
There you go. Mine are going back. You don't like them? I Only because they. I liked the way they felt, but they don't work with the film that's on yeah. the front of it. Because there's nothing to actually stick to the phone. When you put the front piece on, it just sticks to that film. Right, right. So it lifts up pretty easily, and then you get those little awful air bubbles under your film. Yeah. It looks like the bad window tint when people tint their windows themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> She's laughing because she knows what I mean. I'm just picturing the person you know that does that themselves in their driveway, thinking they're all cool, putting their tent on. What's all horrible? <laughs> <laughs> all right. And John, what do you have? Uh, com. This is the unofficial fan site that uh, has uh, taken it upon themselves to make sure that certain milestones... They have shamed Disney into making sure they recognize these milestones and good for them. Milestones at the Walt Disney World Resort. They have some breaking news. They have official uh, announcements from Disney that activities will take place to mark the 20th anniversary of Disney's Hollywood Hollywood Studios. The park will open an hour early at 8 a.m. with a special rope drop ceremony to kick off the anniversary celebration. Two special sessions with Imagineers will be held in the Premier Theater. At 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. Anniversary merchandise will be available. And starring roles will be selling special anniversary cupcakes. Also, uh, some of the restaurants are going to have menu items from the opening. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's neat. Oh, that's cool. So that's really good. I'm trying to find the date. May 1st. That's right. May 1st, 2009. So if you're going to be in town, head on over. Cool. I think it's cool that someone's picked up the slack. It's always bothered me. Uh, it bothered me when Disney didn't uh, during. It was, I think it was the hundred hundred years of Walt or whatever that one was called. But it was the Magic Kingdom. I think it was the thirty fifth anniversary, and they just ignored it. And I think to myself, that's kind of a milestone. I yeah. mean, it's a milestone for those of us who. Well, like are, I said, you know, uh, these guys at WW Celebrations shame, basically shamed Disney. Started with uh, Epcot's 25th anniversary when Epcot wasn't going to do anything. These guys organized and said, "Well, we're going to do something." And when Disney saw how many people were participating, they were like, "Okay, we we got to do something here." Well, I mean, Disney was famous for doing this. I mean, they had something called the Tencennial, and on the 15th anniversary, they had a promotion where every 15 seconds they gave away a prize, and they gave they gave away 15 Cadillacs every day. So for I believe it was a year. Mm. Well. So it was pretty amazing. Wow. Start doing that again. <laughs> yeah. we wandering around in the parks every day, all day. Well, no, it was, it, was, it was all based on you going through the turnstile. And every go out, f- come back in, go out, come back in. <laughs> Your ticket only worked once. Uh, we tried. Um, <laughs> but it was every 15 seconds the turnstiles would beep and then you would win a prize. Most of it was little um, pins and stuff like that. But it was still kind of cool. Wow. Cool. Well, thank you for that, John. I have, I have another one that's time sensitive. It says, this year, treat your mom to the best. Treat her to a bit of relaxation, rejuvenation at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin Resort with the Magical Mother's Day weekend package. Package starts at four ninety nine and includes two days, three ni- two nights, three days, one fifty minutes Swedish massage. Mom eats free on Monday morning. I- I'm sorry. Mom eats free Sunday morning at the resort's character breakfast at the Garden Grove. Mom's going to eat free the next day. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. You can't eat today. When accompanied by her child. 
Uh, also, there's a 4 p.m. late checkout uh, based on availability. So that's going to be um, Mother's Day weekend, May 8th through the 10th. For more information, you can call 888-828-8850. Ask for the rate code MOTHER. 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 And how much is it? Starts at four ninety nine. That's cool. Yeah. If you call your mom's mother, do you? No. I think yeah. you do that when you don't like them. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Come here, mother. It's got that Sylvester thing. It does. Mother, right? that's a psycho <laughs> thing. No, it's that yes. psycho. Yeah, it reminds yeah, me of psycho. psycho mother. Mother. Yeah. Only when you're mad at her, you know. <laughs> mother is usually followed by another word. <laughs> Dear father. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> wow. That degenerated fast. <laughs> All right, that is going to do it for Rapid Fire this week. All right, our first segment this week, Kevin Close has his review of Lunch at Raglan Road. Now, they moved that location, didn't they? Didn't it used to be over on the other side of Pleasure Island? No. Or am I dreaming? They built that stationary restaurant there. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Raglan Road cart. (laughs) It's it's not on wheels. I could have sworn. I could have sworn it was in another location i'm i i you know i have fewer brain cells now than i did before so maybe that's it but anyway kevin tell us about the restaurant <laughs> in its present location <laughs> <laughs> shut up <laughs> before the move uh we recently had lunch at raglan road and we haven't been there really since it be- it opened we went a couple of times when it first opened and just hadn't been back and it's not because of a good experience or a bad experience it's just that with the diversity of places to go it's one of those things that you know it's also not on the way to anything we tend to eat it i have come going completely can we start this over no keep going i have no idea where i'm going with this all right it's really early uh we recently had lunch at raglan road and as I say, we haven't been there in quite a while. So we this was also not planned. We sort of walked right up to the restaurant. And I was shocked that in one of, with Downtown Disney and Pleasure Island, being as crowded as they were, we were at a Pleasure Island on a day when the parking lot, there were no parking spots at Pleasure Island. And there's just not a lot to do on Pleasure Island that these days. So I was surprised that it was so crowded. But we walked up to Raglan Road at 12.30 in the afternoon, and inside the restaurant there were four tables that were occupied. The restaurant was completely empty. Hmm. So it was, a, it was a nice surprise. We walked in, and as I say, we were seated immediately. And I, Raglan Road, in my opinion, is a very comfortable space especially when it's in florida it's dark wood and it's kind of cool in there and it's a dark environment it's it's very comforting at coming in out of the florida sun the menu for lunch is kind of compact there's six or seven uh starters about 12 entrees and a couple of side dishes and john and i decided to start with uh I apologize. We did this a week and a half ago. We, John and I decided to start with the scallop forest, which is fr- uh, 
fried scallop, fried battered scallops, and they they're served in a way that's very unusual. One scallop is placed on each fork, and there were eight forks. And they sit in this little block that looks like a brick with uh, a metal brick with holes drilled in it. So the forks stand straight up in the air. Hmm. And there's a right. It looks like a little forest, and there's a scallop on each one. Yeah, and the the scallops were very fresh and cooked very very well. They came with a lemon aioli, and they were twelve ninety five. Not bad. Uh, When we first walked in and sat down, there we were served bread and. That ubiquitous oil and, you know, when they put oil on the table for you to dip it in, the weird presentation is instead of being a vinegar in the oil, it was fermented Irish beer. Really? Yeah, that's different. uh, An Irish beer reduction. Note to the Irish, you don't have to make everything out of beer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, balsamic vinegar is just as good, if not better. The other thing is they gave us Irish soda bread. Rolls. They were little balls of Irish soda bread. And I'm not a fan of Irish soda bread. It's got a little bit of a sweet, bitter taste to it. And dipped in the oil and beer. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of a beer reduction. It was... It it wasn't... In my opinion, it was unappetizing. (laughs) This didn't get eaten, and we were hungry. It looked like honey. It looked like there's a a blob of honey floating in the, the middle of this oil. It just wasn't... However, once the scallops came, they were quite good. Uh, the other thing that then we decided to have for our entrees, I ordered the... I'm having trouble. It is early for you this morning, isn't it? It really is. I, it's early for all of us. Yeah, just, just, just to let everybody know, we, uh, we're, we're recording uh, earlier than we normally do. We had some things to do this morning. And uh, so we're, we're all here fairly early. And the salmon. I've got a cup of coffee in one hand and a Pepsi in the other, literally. I apologize. The menu that they gave us, they copied the menu for us also, and I'm really having trouble reading it. That's the biggest problem. I've got my reading glasses on and everything. It's tiny, tiny font. It's Bob font. It is Bob font. I had something called the Boxty Braden, which is St. James James Irish Smoked Salmon uh, on blintzes drizzled with chive creme fraiche. And it was ten fifty. It was very, very good. If you like smoked salmon, it was very, very fresh salmon on minuscule blintzes, which are little pancakes with a creme fraiche over the top of it. What exactly is a creme fraiche? It's sour cream for all intents and purposes. It's really not, but it has the consistency of a sour cream. Okay. And John had the Saintly Benedict, which is a toasted muffin with Parma ham and soft poached eggs finished with hollandaise sauce for nine ninety five. Mm. I was surprised by the prices for lunch. Our entire they seem very reasonable. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is you're not getting a large portion. These are not big portions that are served. However, I found the quality to be very high. Also, everything came with one side. Right. Which was kind of a surprise for me. And we were surprised at the how good the sides were. We had John had the crushed baby potatoes with chive mayonnaise and I had the roasted vegetable salad with mustard seed dressing. And this was just a mixture of all kinds of vegetables. There were carrots and onions and potatoes, and I believe there were turnips in there. And they had all been roasted, and they were delicious. 
again, not a big portion, but we had had a we had had breakfast and we this was an early day for us so it was 12:30 and we were having a light lunch and i was surprised that for under $30 the quality of the food that we got this is not a buffet this is not you're going to go in and get stuffed and it's not the usual huge portions you got but it's one of those things where the quality was good enough that the price was commensurate with what you received, mm-hmm. that even though it was a small portion, I thought it was fairly priced. I mean, salmon, even if you buy salmon in the grocery store, salmon is expensive, yeah, smoked right. salmon. So for ten fifty for this amount of salmon that I got on my plate, I thought it was a fair price. I would recommend this place highly. I didn't find anything bad in what we... Well, that... Olive oil with the beer in it was kind of <laughs> nasty. <laughs> Not to my liking. Prices for lunch range from about ten dollars nine ninety five. That was for the eggs Benedict. The most expensive lunch entree is fourteen ninety five, and that's for something uh, a shepherd's pie and a pork chop with applesauce and things like that. But everything comes with a side, and there's a bunch of different appetizers. Lunch is served from eleven to three. And dinner is served from 3 to 11. And dinner prices go up considerably. You're looking more in the $15 to $30 at dinner. But as I say, we didn't go there for that. I was, oh, there's also a kid's menu. And the kid's menu is available at lunch or dinner. And that's in the 6 to $7 range for a kid's entree. Is there any difference between eating inside and outside? Hotter. <laughs> People watch. Yeah, the menu is available in both. The menu is available in both locations. However, the thing that I find so appealing about it is you're out in the hot Florida sun, and it's a cool. It's almost like it's just like a cool grotto inside. It's everything is very dark wood, and it was kind of quiet. Now I've we haven't, as I say, we haven't been there in quite a while, but we were there at night. And in the center of the restaurant, there's an elevated platform where they have clog dancing, Irish clog dancing. Oh, that's right, yeah. And when we first walked in for lunch... Did you clog dance? Did I? Yeah. In my Abbey uniform. (laughs) He he crock danced. (laughs) When we first walked into the restaurant, the host sat us right next to this table, and I apparently had fear in my eyes. I said, there's no entertainment at this hour, is there? I didn't want to sit next to the clog dancer to eat. If that's something that doesn't appeal to you, you might want to ask to be sat okay. further away from that, or you could eat outside. It's a big restaurant inside. John, that's a, a stage where John could do a single ladies' dance. I could. <laughs> he did. I think it has the <laughs> nicest bar out of uh, out of all the restaurants at Downtown Disney. The bar is huge. Yeah. The bar area. I was thoroughly impressed with the wait staff. I mean, could have been the fact that there was no one there, but they couldn't have been more attentive. Asked for a menu. They ran and got it. They not only ran and got it, they ran and did a color copy of it for us because the menu was kind of involved, the presentation of it. So they made a copy so I could take it home with me. Everything that we had, and it was uh, two soft drinks, uh, an appetizer, and two entrees was under $30. Wow. And I thought, even if you're not on the dining plan, I thought this was a fairly decent bargain. Yeah. They take tables in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. There was a table. Oh, they do? Right. Okay. So, in my opinion, this is a win. You, I don't find a reason for myself to go to Pleasure Island. And that was kind of what I was trying to allude to before. This isn't, one, this isn't like uh, 
Earl of Sandwich. I'm at Downtown Disney a lot, so Earl of Sandwich is always someplace that we just sort of gravitate to. This is would be a special trip for me, but I think it's worth it. So. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. Glad you uh, enjoyed it. I enjoyed it the last time I was there. I've only been there once. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we liked it. Yeah, it's we good. Liked it. So, seems to be... Uh, it's not Julie's favorite, but... Really? I enjoy it. <laughs> Is it because of the choices there? She's not- yeah. I, I think she had a bad uh, a bad experience one time with the fish. I guess it was a little too fishy, but I always get the... Uh, it's like the shepherd's pie every time I've I go. I've had the shepherd's it's pie. Excellent. It's really good. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you again, Kevin. All right. We're going to move on to our next segment. Miss Kathy Whirling has uh, stuff to tell us about Picnic in the Park at Animal Kingdom. What is this about? I've been hearing about it, but I haven't really paid attention. I think it, it's actually a, a, a really nice idea. It's um, You get a little recyclable. I was going to bring the bag, but my macaroni and cheese spilled inside of it. I would have brought props today to show everybody. She was afraid I was going to lick it out of the inside of the bag. <laughs> But um, they make it real easy for you. There's a podium right as you walk into um, Animal Kingdom outside of Guest Relations. And they say, you know, like pick some from column A and some from column B. And uh, you pick a time you want to come back and uh, pick up your lunch. And then you can go eat it somewhere in the park. So I did that. Are there designated areas in the park where you can eat this or just? They give you a map. Right in front of the lions. (laughs) (laughs) Mmm, this is good. Mmm, gazelle. <laughs> it, it struck me when I started walking through the park that they had put picnic tables in places that they didn't have tables before. I saw a lot of tables when we were over there that day. And, yeah, it just seems strange, but the thing, the next thing that I thought was, geez, look at all these people sitting at the picnic tables with no food in front of them. That it doesn't say that these picnic tables are just for picnic in the park, but they seem to have become very popular with people to just sit there and... So what kind of food are they offering? So you, you they have two tiers. Um, the first tier is sandwiches. It's a turkey pita. Uh, let's see. Turkey pita. Uh, turkey focaccia. Uh, chicken wrap. A ham grinder or a t- tuna pita. And it starts with um, meals for three people. So you, you've got your two tiers with the, the sandwiches is tier one. Tier two is rotisserie chicken or ham. And I wanted to try that because I wanted to see how they could pull off a, like a hot meal. I'm assuming there's a difference in price between the yes. tiers? For uh, a meal for three for the sandwiches, it's twenty four ninety nine plus tax. For the rotisserie chicken or the ham for three people, it's twenty nine ninety nine plus tax. Now you... Is it the minimum you can buy is for three people? Yes, it's just it starts at three and goes up from there. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would it be for three? I thought that That's was an odd. odd number. That is very odd. I could understand for two. Right. So you just keep adding one person, or do you have to go up to like five or six? The pricing that they have is from three to six. And depending on how many people you have is then how many sides and how many desserts mm. you get. It's no. like KFC. Kathy, what kind of ham do they have? I don't know. I didn't see the ham. I guess that that would be my um, – I don't understand why. You have to give them two hours. So I got there at 11.22, and the soonest I could pick it up was one fifteen. But when you walk back to where you pick it up, they just open the little, you know, like heated cabinets and pull out like a box of chicken and a box of 
whatever. So I don't get why it takes two hours. Maybe it does when it gets like later towards 12, 1 o'clock. Now, you, you purchase, where do you purchase it? I purchased mine at the podium outside of Guest Relations. but there's On the a, way into the park. Right. But there's also a podium back by Tusker House that you can do it at also. So those are the only two locations. And you pay when you order, when you place the order. No, you pay when you pick up. And where do you pick it up? You pick it up at the little, you know, the, the coffee window. At, uh, at Tusker it? House? Yeah. It's, I forget what the Mombasa, here. somewhere um, or other? I mean, they it may, starts with a K. They may just need the, that time to get it to the location. Cusa Fiery Coffee Shop and Bakery, adjacent to Tusker House. Did you so, get food for three people? Yes. How many people did you have with you? I actually took it home. <laughs> <laughs> and she knew where she I was going. On our couch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it, you know, when you see it, I wanted to bring the containers because there's been a lot of people been discussing this. Um, I thought that the container of chicken was plenty for three people. In fact, it probably was too much for three people to this eat. This is the rotisserie the chicken? The rotisserie chicken. Um, if you were going to eat it in the park, I think you would have leftovers unless people were really hungry. But some people on our boards have suggested that they could go buy this meal and then take it back to their villa. That that would mm-hmm. be another way to have a dinner yeah. back at their villa. There you go. That's a good idea. Because there's nothing like stinky chicken on one of them Disney buses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, I went... Did my two hours, and then I just walked right up to the counter. And again, it's going to depend on how busy the park is, how long you wait. But when you pick, when you place your order, they also give you a brochure. They have brochures sitting there, but they also give you a little map with where their picnic locations are. And it's your typical spots in the park. There was over by um, Camp Mini Mickey, um, over in Africa. And But nowhere when you get to any of these places does it say picnic in the park. So it's still the same old places to sit down and eat. Okay, why, why do we think they have started offering this? This is not just something they decided to do. I'm thinking that it's because the number of people, because of the economy, that are bringing food into the park mm-hmm. from I, the outside. We've actually come up with a term for it. It's called parknicking. I do not believe the number of people we saw in Epcot who had their own food sitting on a wall eating their own food. I mean, Subway, tuna fish sandwiches. And it seems that people are almost a little embarrassed by it. They're kind of trying to sit back in a corner. They're sitting behind signs. We noticed it a lot. And it, I, I pointed it out to John. And I said, just keep your eye out and watch how many people are doing this. So it's happening a lot. Do we think Disney is going to expand this to the other parks? I think so. And I think they're going to have more locations within Animal Kingdom to I be able to cool. pick this up. I think there's also something cool. to be said when you're in a theme park that this is you buying theme park food, but you're controlling the speed at which you eat. I think a lot of people are looking that if you go in and sit down, that's a chunk out of your day. This is mm-hmm. something you could sort of... This is also going to alleviate the people who can't get into a restaurant or an ADR during free dining and all those times when it's really busy, it gives them another opportunity. How how easy was it to know that this was there? Was it or was there a big sign for this? Did someone tell you about it when you first walked in, or is it something you have to know? In it advance? was something you probably have to know, especially the one outside of guest relations, because there's just this little podium with the sign that says "picnic in the park." So 
if you didn't know what picnic in the park was, you probably wouldn't go up to it. Now the 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 counter down by Tusker House was a little bit bigger and it had an umbrella over it, so it looked a little fancier. But again, there really was not much signage and to know need, this. If you need two hours warning, I mean, if you're hungry at noon, mm-hmm. you know that's hard to to say to a kid. Okay, now we got to wait two hours for our picnic to be ready. Yeah, I thought it would be nice if they had a way like ahead of time that you could say I'd like to order it for 12 but you have to do it while you're in the park I also think the animal kingdom lends itself to this picnic tables are not going to look out of place at animal kingdom right however they also know. have the raw materials to make the food <laughs> <laughs> this one didn't survive I'll find the limpy one it was a cheater <laughs> It was funny when I set the, the table up with the food to take pictures of it in the park. I had like three cast members come up to me and ask me. Where what were the, the other two people? <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't ask that question, but they went, oh, is that that new thing we're offering here at the park? So they were just as interested in seeing it. Hmm. You know, so I said that the chicken was good. I thought the sides were a little skimpy, but desserts. What kind of sides are they yes. offering? Um, they have... Chips, coleslaw, corn medley, green beans, macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes and gravy, orzo pasta, oven roasted potato wedges, seasonal fruit salad, tomato and cucumber salad. And I did the oven roasted potato wedges and the macaroni and cheese. And I, I and, and these are included with the right. twenty four ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine, depending on which tier you take. Right. If you get it for three, you get one side. Um, if you're on the tier two, you get two sides, and then you get three desserts. Now, I thought the dessert choices were a little unique. It was an apple, a brownie, a cookie, cornbread, a crisp rice treat, or a rice crispy treat, as I would call it, or an orange. I saw the cornbread. I didn't understand that for a dessert. I guess they make it extra sweet or something. I don't know. No, I northern. purposely just got plain old cornbread it's just plain old cornbread and i got that because I thought, well okay cornbread goes good with chicken yeah kathy what were the was the temperature of everything nice and hot or was it kind of lukewarm no it actually was pretty hot how about a drink did a drink come with it yeah you got water. one of those little bottles of water yeah, and a little shot all oh, the tiny oh, ones like yeah. four ounces yeah the tiny water wow yes i have one of those on the floor here wherever oh here it is here's my sim this is the bottle of water and mm-hmm. there's no substitutions we have uh, pictures, uh, Kathy's posted pictures uh, on the blog, disunplugged.com. We'll have a link to that in the show notes page. You can see the uh, presentation of everything, uh, the size of the sides, along with locations where you can pick it up, the picnic tables. Well, wow, that's a lot of chicken. It, it is. Looks, a lot looks like a whole chicken. For three? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, there was plenty of chicken. That's a hungry man's chicken there. Yeah, and I said the sides, the the potatoes, the potato wedges. I think there may have been might have been ten in the container. It's enough for three people or me, <laughs> or me. How long has that chicken been dead? <laughs> My it, lord, it looks gray. It, it actually was. It actually was quite tasty and quite juicy. Was and it? I and I purposely picked that over like a sandwich because I wanted to have something different than typical sandwich in the the park now i've heard people say that the sandwiches are you know they're pre-wrapped pre-made and they can be you know depending on when you got it a little bit soggy so i didn't want to get that that's why i went for the hot meal 
All the sandwiches are cold, right? Yes. The prepackaged cold. Okay. I think this would be popular. I think it sounds good. I think it's popular. Do they just give you sliced ham? Well, I think so. They keep in mind that, you know, generally speaking, the average price of a lunch um, at Disney counter service is going to run you between $12 and $15 a person. Um, So what they're doing here is coming up with $10 a person, basically, or $8 a person, uh, depending on which tier you take, um, just because they'd rather have that $8 or $10 than lose it altogether with you bringing food from outside the park. And there's no tip involved in this. Right. Well, even counter services, you know, honestly, you know, a burger and a soda at, at... Counter service at any one of the parks is going to run you ten, twelve, yeah. ten to twelve dollars. It usually runs my family about sixty to seventy dollars for all yeah. of us to eat. Yeah, and this sounds counter. like really healthy so choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. fairly healthy choices. Instead of always a burger and fries, you can get something a lot better for you. Yeah, and, and I thought it was sort of nice too that you know, like one person maybe that doesn't ride all the rides, they could be like the um, the lunch runner, and they could go pick up the picnic in the park and say, "Hey, meet us over in." Um, you know the one picnic area, and the group could just all assemble there instead just of just say it. The mother and somebody else right. can go save a picnic table. <laughs> yeah, there weren't Mom. As, there weren't as many picnic tables as I thought there would be. So I don't know if they're going going to add more picnic tables, but they seem to you know that they designated the areas, but it's areas that they already had, and then there's some picnic tables scattered through. On so. a busy day, you think you'd be able to get one or not? A picnic table? Probably, yeah. probably not, because I, I see that as the problem they're going to have. Is there, is there anything stopping you from, you know, you've got uh, those tables outside Tusker House. You could, or not, uh, well, yeah, there's some places outside Tusker House. There's some places outside the Flame Tree Barbecue. Yak and Yeti. Uh, outside Yak and Yeti. I, there's no reason that you couldn't go sit there. No, no, they, they, they tell you where the locations are. So the, where I went to take the pictures was behind... Pizza Fari. There was a whole section of tables that nobody was sitting at. So you could do that. If you're looking for the picnic table experience, then you might have to camp out and wait for a picnic table. But you could weave this in with your fast passes and just have it all planned out versus just sitting in a yeah, restaurant. That's true. Waiting. Yeah, I went to see Lion King and you know did some touring and then went and picked up the lunch. Or you so. can go to a good park. <laughs> oh, stop. Boy, you are just Captain Cynical today. Oh, my Lord. This is Mr. Bitter today. This miserable, miserable old Kenny. Miserable old party of one. And if, and, and if you decide once you're in the park that you don't want to be there, you can't. they give you a phone number that you could call and cancel your... Your offering. If you decide you don't want to be there. <laughs> you know, whatever your reason is. This isn't is. nearly as much fun as I thought it was going to be. I'm going home. I lost my appetite. Wow. That's How late a- in the evening does that run? Do you know? You can only order up till one, but I'm sure you could make it for Because that would be later. something, like you said, to pick up on your way home, out. Mm-hmm. You know? So they stop taking orders at, at 1 o'clock? 1:30, at 1.30. And what time do they start? When the park opens. When the park opens. Wow. I think this this could be a good idea. Especially in Animal Kingdom, where they needed Mm -hmm. some good options for... Well, I think anything that provides a more cost-effective option for people to eat at the parks uh, is a good thing. Outside of burgers and fries. We talk talk a lot about the, the exorbitant costs associated with a Disney vacation. 
And a lot of that cost is run up on food. And so, you know, having options like this and options... Well, I mean, first of all, I think Disney, at all their counter-service locations, has done a great job of integrating uh, healthier options onto the menu. You have choices that you may not have had five years ago. But, I mean, these all seem like very healthy or, you know, health... Healthier. Healthier options. Um, it's at, also... And you okay. really can't complain about a price point, 8 to $10 a person for lunch. Well, you, Kathy said that the chicken is more than enough for three people. And that might be fam- that's, it might be an option for family of small eaters or who are you know not big eaters. The price point then goes down. If you can get that family or that picnic for three and make it for four, now you're talking six bucks yeah. or seven bucks a person. Or just don't feed one child. That's what I do sometimes. That's right. <laughs> Put some extra toothpaste on yeah. your brush. Um, <laughs> I just thought, I thought it was... <laughs> It was a great way, too, that you know how we always hear people that they couldn't get a, a dining reservation somewhere? Yeah, now to the Animal Kingdom. Well, now this lets people lets Disney off the hook because now you just go pick up your lunch and, and it's up to you to go find a place to eat it. Right. Now, does it have to be exactly two hours? If you get there for um, extra magic hour at 8 o'clock in the morning, can you say I want to pick it up around 12 so you're not eating it at breakfast oh, time? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can? Yeah, you can select. Yeah, it's got to be a minimum two yeah. hours. Okay. So, wow. Good deal. That's some great information. Like I said, uh, Kathy has a blog entry up on disunplug.com with pictures and uh, details about Picnic in the Park at Animal Kingdom. We'll have a link to that in the show notes page, podcast.wdwinfo.com. Thank you again, Kathy, for that. And our final segment this week, uh, Disneyland correspondent Nancy Johnson had a chance to talk to Jim Ames, who is the producer of this year's Food and Wine Festival out in California at uh, California Adventure. Uh, some of you may remember last year, Walter and I covered the Food and Wine Festival out there and really gave it high marks uh, for ingenuity, creativity, and being very unique and intimate, I think is a good word to use in comparison to the Epcot one. So uh, here is Nancy's interview with Jim Ames. Hi, everyone. This is Nancy Johnson, and I have sitting with me today Mr. Jim Ames. He is the producer for Disney's California Adventure Food and Wine Festival. Thank you so much. I know Pete's a big fan of the Food and Wine Festival. I'm a big fan of the Food and Wine Festival, so this is really a treat. Now, can you give us some background to how the California Food and Wine Festival got started? Absolutely. Well, you know that the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival is in its 14th year, and it's been wildly successful. And we had many guests ask us, why don't we do a festival here on the West Coast? And we just never felt we were ready. Even though California is rich in food and wine, we just wanted to make sure that we could do it right. So we started off four years ago, and we did it very small. We were just weekends only. And it was sort of uh, sticking our toe in the water, as it were, because we we wanted to make sure that we created phenomenal guest experiences that allowed uh, each of our guests to experience food and wine in their own way. So over the course of four years, we've been able to grow and develop, and, and it's really been a, a great labor of love for us. Now that we know a little bit about how the festival came to be, what's this year's theme? This year, our theme is World Celebration. 
And we are paying tribute to the people and the flavors and the cultures and the traditions from all over the world that have influenced the state of California and made us one of the most diverse places to be. So we're not a mini international food and wine festival, but how have we been influenced by the rest of the world? Because truly, California food and wine is a tribute to the diversity of all who have come before us. And that's really so true. I've lived in California since 2000. Every neighborhood you go into, you see at least nine or ten different nationalities of food just within a small square mile area. Absolutely. And, and California is a great place of taking all of those great flavors and dishes that are culturally significant and have a place in all of our homes. And we kind of add our own little California twist to it. So it's it's a great way for us to be able to look to our winemakers and to our chefs and ask what inspired you or who inspired you because we know that you know we're not ground zero for food and wine but we are so much richer because of all the influences that are available to us and now i can see from that little piece of information how you're going to get to a few of the uh, special event activities that we're going to have this year and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes the theme of world celebration will run throughout the entire festival and whether it's a, a spice in a dish or whether it's a complete dinner we really want to make sure that the theme and uh, is well received by the guests and, and an, an ability for us to all celebrate. That really does come into play because that's a theme that really touches. I think Nancy just fell over. <laughs> <laughs> Delivery. Everyone's heart. You know, someone gave them a piece of their culinary tradition from their family to their friends to whoever, no matter who you are. Right. You know, my family is of Russian descent, and I remember baking cookies every holiday you know, with my grandmother. And it, it's those little traditions that are handed down from generation to generation that influence you know, who we are, what we eat, and, and how we celebrate. That's probably the driving influence in the new behind-the-scenes event. Right. Our behind-the-scenes with is a, is a, it's a sneak peek into the lives of celebrity chefs and celebrity winemakers. And so one of the questions we'll be asking them is, you know, who influenced you? It's a great opportunity to get up close and personal, and we refer to it as Inside the Actor's Studio with Food and Wine. So it's a Q&A hosted by Chef Jimmy Gwen, and who doesn't want to know all about John and Nancy Lasseter's quest into winemaking? You know, first of all, there's the great Disney tie-in, but you know they have a phenomenal uh, vineyard that has been growing grapes for years, and they just started to bottle their own wines. i got to ask the question, does everybody in California have their own vineyard? <laughs> Apparently they do. Fess Parker. Fess Parker, Tommy Lasorda. John and Judy Lasseter. Everybody's got their own vineyard. Sorry, I just had to, had to throw that in. Another great winemaker is Tommy Lasorda, who has oh, Lasorda Italian wines, uh, taking the heritage and putting that into a bottle. So it's, it'll be fun to sit down and talk with both of them. But we also have Keegan Gerhardt, who's the host of Food Network Challenge. And our Food and Wine Festival would not be complete without Guy Fieri. Guy is a master at fusing different culinary styles and flavors and foods into something that is just completely and totally unique. Very we're, fun. we're happy to have him back. He's just a dynamic person, too. He really is. He's the ultimate showman, a phenomenal chef. And a lot of times you'll have one or the other, you won't have both. So it's, it's great to have someone who not only has the culinary chops, but can entertain your 300 guests at a time as well. And you know, not to slight any of our other celebrity chefs, we have Pat Cora coming back for the second year, a delightful woman uh, and a phenomenal chef. And her demos last year were amazing. So she's back as well. I mentioned Keegan Gerhardt. 
Art. We also have Carrie Simon, who's the rock and roll chef. Mm-hmm. We have uh, the founder of Librea Bakery, Nancy Silverton. And kicking off our festival is Robert Irvine, who's the host of Dinner Impossible on Food Network. And a, a lot of our listeners are big fans of the show he did down in Disney World. Yep. So you've got a guest coming into the park for the very first time for Food & Wine. Where can they go to find out what's going on? So right at the entrance to Disney's California Adventure is our Festival Welcome Center. And it is located at the right next to the information booth that already exists. And this will be where guests can find out up-to-the-minute schedule information and plan their day. They can look at menus and discover what it is that they want to, uh, to sample throughout the festival in our festival-inspired dining. And it's also a location where they can make reservations for any of our signature events. So we'll have computer kiosks set up with cast members who can assist. And it's a great opportunity for a guest who may not have planned on attending a signature event and providing them the opportunity to be able to do that without having to go back home. Oh, that's great, because that was another question I had was, is there still going to be room for guests? You know, has everything sold out already, or can people still get into some of the cool activities? Uh, some of our events are already sold out. Our Naparo's Cooking School is continues to be one of our most popular events. I believe uh, five of the six days are sold out with only just... I don't even think there's a handful of spaces available for the final day. But if guests go to Disneyland.com slash food and wine, they can uh, make reservations for anything that's available. Also, our Sweet Sundays, which is a new event this year and uh, something that we modeled after Epcot's festival, I believe four of the six are already sold out. So if guests are interested in either one of those events, they should go online fairly quickly to, uh, to make reservations to make sure that they don't miss out. But while they're there, they can also find out information about our World Celebration Dinners, which take place each Wednesday evening at the Vineyard Room. And each week we feature a different region or a different theme, and uh, we do a four-course menu paired with wine. Ooh. And we're visiting France and Spain and Italy and Japan and Korea. And our kickoff uh, dinner is on April 29th, and that's with uh, Lafitte wines from around the world. Oh, yeah. So a, a phenomenal experience for our guests on a Wednesday evening. Thursday is our behind-the-scenes with uh, event at Animation or Select Thursday evenings. Friday nights are our winemaker dinners at Steakhouse 55. Okay. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is our festival wine receptions, and those take place at the lower patio of the Golden Vine Winery. And those were our success last year. It was it was a great little event that we wanted it just a nice way to say goodnight, and it, it's just a, it's a magical evening. Guests can select from a dozen different wines, and we have hot and cold appetizers. So it's, just a, it's a wonderful way to watch a sunset and to enjoy a great time with a good friend underneath the stars. And then, of course, our festival finale event this year is two nights. It's Taste Food Wine Life, and it is on June 5th and June 6th this year. So we expand it to two nights, and it's our festival finale grand tasting that takes place in Stage 17 in the Hollywood Pictures backlot. Oh, and that's really a nice area, too. Nobody ever gets to really go in there unless it's a special event like that. Absolutely, and it's a great event. I won't give away too much. Okay. I've been looking at the creative from our art director, and we've been working with a group that I've been trying to get for the last three years, so I'm very excited that it looks like it's all coming together, and guests will be surprised when, when they come on either June 5th or June 6th. And I have to mention the two wine classes by our master sommelier, Michael Jordan, so we're bringing back the introduction to wine tasting class, which has been so successful over the last few years, but 
many guests who not only booked year after year, booked many weeks throughout the festival in previous years, we've now created an advanced wine education class. Oh, wow. That's going to be so, great. So, so this will be two sessions. There will be uh, either May 5th, 6th, and 7th, or May 12th, 13th, and 14th, and each one is three days, two hours each day for a total of six hours. And it's a pretty intensive look into what we here at the resort go through uh, with our sommelier training uh, to be able to sit and uh, pass our exams with the International Court of Master Sommeliers. Now... Tell me a little bit, since we're talking wine right now, tell me a little bit about the new wine walks. So our, our festival wine walks are, I think they're going to be fun. They're, we have three of them. We have two wine walks and one beer walk. And so each walk is an opportunity for our guests to experience the world of wine or the world of beer. So they purchase a tasting passport. Okay. And they enter the festival wine walk or festival beer walk. And each uh, booth or stand will have three different wines and there will be four booths within each walk. So, for instance, we have California Classics. So this is an opportunity for our guests to sample wines from Napa, Sonoma, Santa Maria Valley, and Monterey. And so as they make their way through each of these stops, uh, they can choose from one of three wines. Uh, The cast member will take them through the region where it's grown, the type of grape that it is, and, and what makes that unique to that area. They select which wine they'd like to sample. The guest member stamps their passport, and they move on in their journey. So we have California Classic, and that's in the Bountiful Valley Farm area. And then immediately across from the Golden Vine Winery is our uh, Wines of the World, our international wine walk. And we will be featuring wines from France and Italy, as well as some New World wines from South America and New Zealand. So again, guests purchase their tasting passport and they they go through their wine journey. I think it's a great opportunity for guests to try a wine that they may not have wanted to try or may not have wanted to purchase a $60 bottle of wine to try for the first time. I know it sounds very similar to what they do at the Epcot Festival for the Australian booth, isn't it? Uh, The Australian wine walkabout. Yeah. It's it's a very similar, rather than focusing on the single region, we're we're opening it up just a little bit. Oh, that's perfect. Our international beer walk is the same principle, but based on international beers. Yay, those sound really, really fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thrilled to say that our good friends at Carl Strauss Brewing Company have created a new beer just for the festival, and it's called Festive Ale. So I'm very, very excited to try it, as well as to offer it for our guests as part of the beer walk. And I can thoroughly say that my husband will be thrilled to try it as well. (laughs) (laughs) And I will, too. I actually like beers, so. It'll be great. And, you know, and it's not just all about wine. We have some great, uh, great events for our kids, and uh, if you attended the festival last year, we had our Junior Chef program, and it was just a fun time. And so this year, we're bringing it back. Uh, we're not making cookies this year. We're, we're making some frozen treats, but Chef Goofy is back. And you know, anytime Goofy's in the kitchen, hilarity ensues. So uh, those will be uh, three times each Friday, Saturday, and Sunday mornings. Now, what age groups can go to that? Uh, 3 to 11. We want to uh, make sure that there's plenty of opportunity for our young ones to participate. Yay. My daughter will be excited. We're going uh, on the 26th so for opening weekend. So I know that I will definitely have to escort her over to that area. My two-year-old will be very jealous, though. <laughs> <laughs> so but one of the things I want to ask you is what 
piece of advice do you have for someone who's a Walt Disney World food and wine regular and has never attended the California Adventure Festival? The biggest difference between the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival and Disney's California Food and Wine Festival is our festival is more organic and we try to create educational and entertainment opportunities throughout the festival. So we both have wine education and tasting seminars, but it's an opportunity for us to really bring the best of California and all of its influences to our guests. So we don't have the kiosks that will showcase Lagoon, but we do have festival-inspired dining. And this is a great opportunity for our guests to sample some of the favorites that have been at the festival for the last three years. But this year, instead of being sampling sizes, these are full portions, and they are available at all of our quick service restaurants throughout Disney's California Adventure. So the white cheddar cheese soup that guests lined up. Oh, that was really good last year. It'll be at Pacific Wharf Cafe. We're bringing back the sliders that were such a hit last year. So again, as you make your way through Disney's California Adventure, uh, you can look at the menu at the Festival Welcome Center, and then pick what you want to eat as as you make your way through Disney's California Adventure. And another hit from last year that we're bringing back even bigger than last year is our lounge at the Golden Vine Winery, which is upstairs at the Golden Vine Winery. And we have flight menus, so an opportunity to sample great wines from around the world. And it's done in a flight style, so it's three different glasses of wine that are based on a single grape or a single region or a single theme. But we've created an amazing tapas menu for the lounge that I think will rival any restaurant except for maybe Neferos. For families that the parents want to come in and maybe bring their slightly adventurous kids, is that going to be a kid-friendly place or is there going to be an age restriction because of the wine? Well, the lounge is restricted to, uh, to age 21 okay. and older because it, you, we do serve alcohol. However, throughout all of our quick service locations at the park, right. uh, you obviously age is, is no issue. And, and, and it's, again, it's an opportunity for, for our guests to try something that they might not try normally. Time to send the kids to a babysitter so we can go up to the lounge and try those tapas. Because I know that every small plate we've ever had at the Food and Wine Festival has been wonderful. Now, will they be using the old Chinese restaurant area for any food distribution as well, or... Not this year. Not this year? The cookery is currently under renovation, so it is oh, that's available right. to us this year. So I that knew that. where we did the uh, Taste of California Marketplace, which was the small sample sizes. Mm-hmm. So this year we're spread out through the entire park, which we did last year, but now it's full servings of uh, some of the, the great favorites. Now, where will guests be able to go to find the merchandise this year? Two, two locations, in Sunshine Plaza. And if I didn't describe before the scope of Sunshine Plaza, let me back up just a little bit. Okay. So Sunshine Plaza is home of the Chef's Showcase stage. A 40-foot by 60-foot tent seating 125 guests with a 16 by 14-foot stage with a 10-foot mobile kitchen. We have gone bigger <laughs> and better than before. Oh, gosh. So it's, uh, it's, it, it'll be the first thing you see as you introduce these California Adventure Park. So immediately adjacent to that is our merchandise gift cards. Okay. You can purchase logo items, wine glasses, T-shirts, uh, hats, tote bags. The merchandise has come up with a phenomenal selection uh, this year that I think our guests will really, really like. And then we will also have a secondary location at the Wine Shop and Bistro, which is located at the lower patio of the Golden Vine Winery. Okay. So guests can leave a wine seminar they can purchase a 
glass of wine or a bottle of wine to enjoy at home, uh, maybe a cheap platter, and then also peruse some of the merchandise and purchase it there as well. And I think here's a good spot to insert that if you do purchase a bottle of wine, you will be able to pick that bottle of wine up at the exit of the park, correct? Correct. So uh, all wine bottle purchases are delivered to package pickup, which is at the Lost and Found window at the entrance to Disney's California Adventure Park. That location is open from 1 o'clock in the afternoon until one hour after Disneyland Park closes. Okay. That's a great piece of advice. So be aware that you, you won't be allowed to carry your new purchase around. <laughs> and Besides, do you really want to go on Sword Over California holding you know, three bottles of wine? Or even worse, California screaming. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. all over the place. Just bad show all around. Right. <laughs> well, good. Anything else you want to let our listeners know about, Jim? It's come on down. It's uh, our festival, like I said, is bigger uh, and longer than before. We're 45 days from April 24th through June 7th. We have over 600 complimentary events that are included with admission to Disney's California Adventure Park. And most of them are first come, first seated. And if you've attended in the past, you know, some of them are very, very popular. We will be posting our schedules online very, very soon. Uh, currently, guests can go to Disneyland.com slash food and wine, one word, to find out information about our signature events and to make reservations for those. But it, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to see. And again, with what will you celebrate this year? Our world celebration is going to be a great opportunity to come to the park. Thanks so much, Jim, for the time you spent with us. I think we all really appreciate it, and I know there are a lot of listeners out there who are really excited about Disneyland this year, so this will be yet another feather to add into its cap. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much for that, Nancy and Jim, uh, Jim Ames, for taking the time to talk with her. Uh, I'm sorry I'm going to miss it this year. Uh, some interesting uh, additions, the, the walkabouts or the stumbleabouts. The kids' well, wine yeah. tasting. I the kids' know. wine tasting. Yeah, but it may be the little tiny cup. Yeah, but still, it, uh, you know, you're talking about three glasses, three glasses of wine at, at four, four kiosks. That's 12 glasses of wine. Even, even if it's, it's a, a little, shot. Yeah, you're right. That's kind of a lot. It's a stumbleabout, um, not a walkabout. <laughs> uh, you know, well, We enjoyed everything they had last year. They really did a great job. I'm really hoping that they... Expanded and improved on the merchandise. That was one thing I was yeah, disappointed. Was, when we talked about merchandise, there wasn't much to choose from last year. No, it wasn't. There was not a lot. I'm hoping they expanded on it. Well, like you said, they like to educate you. You get a lot of information about the wine, about the food. It's not just walk up to a kiosk and buy something. You get to learn a lot about what you're doing. And it's more interactive when you get to take part in the wine tastings, the cooking classes. It's it's adds a lot of more personal touch than at Epcot. And the demonstrations were, were Incredible. fantastic. Just did a great job with the cooking demonstrations, the wine tastings, and the signature the, events. The signature events were out of this world. They really were. So um, uh, it sounds like you know they've expanded it. It's like every. It seems like every year they expand it a little bit more and a little bit more, which I think is fantastic because it's a, a really great experience. Um, honestly, if you haven't been there and you can go, I would definitely go. Oh, it's a must do. It's an oh, absolute absolutely. must do. And it really, I love that they're not just doing it on weekends. They're doing it during the week. Uh, last year was the first year they started doing that. In previous years, it had only been on the weekends. So you know you can really go around and enjoy it and it is much different than uh, Epcot uh, Food and Wine Festival in that they don't have the kiosks set up the way we do in Epcot uh, it's the fast food locations throughout California Adventure all have additional items added uh, food items and uh, wine pairings at 
each of the fast food locations. So, And I also like the fact that they have the 600 events that you can go to just with the cost of admission. Yeah. So you don't have to pay every time you eat or every time you drink. There are some complimentary things with your admission. So that was nice. So it's. Um, I wish them the best of luck. I hope it really goes well. I'm interested to hear from people after it starts. I am too. And see how it, uh, how it works out. All right, folks, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Diz Unplugged. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with you again next week with another edition. Have a great week, everyone. Remember, stay out of the damn lakes.